Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Are we doing the roll? Welcome into episode 266 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. Sources Say is brought to you by our good friends at Justice Dental. As always, visit one of their two Lexington locations on Blazer Parkway and Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling 859-543-0700. You can even send a text message to one of their friendly team members at the same number to ask a question or make an appointment. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team strive to provide you with good oral health in a comfortable environment. The Justice Dental team looks forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Uh, joined once again by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country, a third episode this week. I don't think uh, it's been a minute since we've been able to, to pump out three in, in, a, in a week. I, last time was like, what, SEC tournament, March Madness, something like that? I don't even know if it was then. Like, you, you remember, this is taking me back to those days where we had like five in one week. You remember, you remember that like a year or so ago where we just, we were grinding them out left and right. And uh, now, like, John Calipari spoke for the first time to local media since the NCAA tournament loss. So we had to get some notes and some takeaways. And, and Jack, I, I thought that the interview and the the questioning and and the statements and everything that that he threw out there today i thought it was a very very solid press conference that kind of covered a lot that we've talked about on the show for the last month or so yeah i, I think 
we came in looking for two answers. What the hell's going on with Aaron Bradshaw? Can we get actual confirmation about what his status is, when he's going to return? If there's, you know, with so much clear PR spin on both directions, Kentucky wanting it to look like it's no big deal, everything's fine, clutch, wanting to be, you know, put on their agent hat and and put out their own narrative about tie the line for return and things like that. Like you wanted to get some type of clarity. And I think we got plenty of it on the Aaron Bradshaw front. We also got, you know, what's the deal with the roster? Are there going to be any other additions? Is Santo Cyril going to be a potential addition? Obviously Cal couldn't comment on that, but could that be an option or uh, could the grad transfer route be something that Kentucky continues to pursue? Are there any names to keep an eye on things like that? Um, could Kentucky have guys on its own roster that decide to hit the portal after uh, the the conclusion of the foreign the foreign tour? I know there was so much going on about Antonio Reeves. Would he even be able to be a grad transfer? What his eligibility would be? Things like that. Uh, and I think we got a lot of clarity in all of those different areas uh, that made me feel better personally about what we've been saying on this show and, and, you know, getting some confirmation in different areas while also, you know, acknowledging that things still remain very much up in the air up until basically the end of August uh, before we know exactly firm 1000% what this roster is going to be uh, going into the regular season. Yeah. He, he spoke about transfers and grad transfers and stuff hitting the portal there in August. And, and after these foreign tours wrap up and things, which made me actually wonder if Kentucky's indeed done with its roster. You know, like it, you, like we talked about this uh, earlier this week that you're going to take this period in Toronto and you're, you're going to play games and you're going to evaluate your roster. You're going to look at your depth. You're going to look at uh, everything you have going on. And, and let's say that can Kentucky plays and they have a couple of question marks or an area where they would like to add something. doesn't mean they necessarily will, but, let's say a name goes into the portal, the graduate transfer route, and, and it's it's appealing to Kentucky and it makes sense for both sides, then, then maybe you see Kentucky dabble in it a little bit later in the summer. And then that led to Cal talking a little bit about the one thing that he would want to change would be the transfer portal and, and things like that, which we'll get into, Jack. But how how do we start this show without talking about Cal quoting Lil Wayne? <laughs> like. <laughs> Real G's move in silence like lasagna. He, he he added he has no idea what that means, but that's probably that's probably the hardest I've laughed in a John Calipari presser in a long time. I, I knew where he was going with it because it's one of my favorite rap lyrics of all time. Um, I knew when he started the statement, I was like, oh, no, he's going to actually try to do this. And then he got through it and he actually didn't do, ter- you know, it wasn't terrible. Uh, and then he tried it like three other times throughout the press conference and then finally nailed it to close it out. He was reading off of a script, unfortunately. So it wasn't him nailing it. The script did it for him. Um, But that was a, was it a shot at the media? Was it a, a statement saying the reason why there isn't, you know, why there isn't as much clarity as fans are dying for uh, is because we keep things internal. So basically where that statement comes from is, uh, Lil Wayne, when he was in town in Lexington a couple months back for his uh, concert at Rupp Arena, uh, he said in a meeting with John Calipari that, that uh, Lil Wayne told him, you know, I appreciate how you keep everything in house. I appreciate that that you don't let anything get out and you, you go out of your way to keep things quiet. Uh, dating back to a, a very popular rap lyric that I had in one of my own songs, real G's move in silence like lasagna for the people that are not familiar with what that line means. 
the G in lasagna is silent. So real G's, John Calipari, you know, the, the G's, they move in silence like lasagna. It, it's a, a great, great rap lyric and uh, very, very, you know, swagger move on John Calipari to be able to just put that out there. Uh, and uh, we got a Drake reference at the very end too. To, so we got Drake, we got uh, Lil Wayne definitely throwing out the pop, pop culture friend of the program references for sure. And I think Steven's got the video if you want to run it. Yeah, r- r- roll it real quick, Steven. It's there somewhere. <laughs> I'll roll it. I'll roll it in the edit. Uh, okay. It keeps failing. So I don't know why, but that's good that you guys said that so that we can put it in there. I'll put a note. 642. I'll add it. Okay. All right. Three, two, one. Great stuff. I, I think that's just so funny. Um, Cal said that the team is going to stay uh, potentially like Drake will not be in town, but said that the team uh, could go to Drake's house. He said, I have the keys to, to Drake's house. Uh, I, I love the pop culture references and, and, you know, just showing that, you know, everybody calls him washed. Everybody says he stays asleep. Everybody says this and that about Cal, but he wants to make it very clear that, uh, you know, he, he's still the OG. He's, he's, he's still the, 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 all-timer there's a reason he's he's in the hall of fame and why he has so many uh, popular friends oh his yeah the, the connections and the relationships and and everything you, you it's on full display with john calipari and he uh he never every time i think that i can't be surprised by cal i end up surprised by cal so shame on me for for walking into a presser expecting something normal and then we get Lil wayne we get Drake mentioned, and we got a lot of good, though. We got a lot of good about this roster and a lot of talk about Adu, and, and and he opened. I thought it was really good of him to kind of, you know, peel back everything and talk about it without us even having to ask certain things. Like, he got to Aaron Bradshaw early in the press conference. Like, we didn't have to ask about it. He brought it up and, and talked about that he wants to play. And you keep seeing Bradshaw put out on Instagram, like, can't wait to prove everybody wrong, can't wait to show everybody – and all this stuff, like it, it seems like that's a kid that really, really wants to be here, really wants to do this thing. And I also thought that he gave a positive shout out to Jordan Burks, said that he he got a text from him and, and was thanking him for just everything and, and being at Kentucky and a kid wanting an opportunity. So like he, he had a lot of good things to say today about this roster and what he said, dudes at now what six seven. And Did looks you like see the Almami put on Twitter. Yeah, it looks like a tank, man, like completely yeah. different frame. Cal said he, he's starting to look like his dad who played for him, Almami. But again, Almami was a like a big, like a true big, big, thick boy, big. And uh, Almami put uh, put out a picture and said uh, he, he is starting to look like his daddy and, and posted a picture and a side by side of what it do was at this time last year versus now. And Matt Sack uh, brought up a good point on Twitter. It was like, uh, this past year, he led the team in fouls and free throws, uh, fouls drawn to to lead to free, to free throws, and that's what he looked like a year ago. And now, just fast forward to today, and I mean, he's just absolutely jacked. He walked by us uh, while we were doing our rapid reaction afterward, and I mean, he was just—he's a tank, man, six seven. I don't even know what they're going to list him at. What two thirty, two twenty five, something like? I, he's going to be listed as something like that. And, and- uh, it's crazy how his shoulders, his upper body, just his his entire frame has just changed from last year. I mean, he was already a, a bigger bodied kid when he got here, but now it's it's definition, it's it's bulk. Like he's 
it's crazy, like how how much is his body's transformed. Which we've also had a highlight tape come out from practice since we last recorded too. That they got to show us these guys in action, and I, I threw out a couple of comments on Twitter that I think that Adu's the guy that's probably going to stuff the stat sheet for this team. That's going to kind of have his hand in, in points and rebounds and assists, and in large part due to that frame, Jack. I think that he's the type of guy that can play through some bumps and, and get to the rim and finish through contact. And uh, it's, it's a guy that I think is going to really surprise and probably be the talk of, of Toronto and maybe be a, a breakout candidate in the SEC this year. Yeah, I, I think the more you watch him, it kind of reminds me of the, the way Chris Livingston produced last year, where he didn't do anything cosmic. He wasn't lighting everybody up because of his advanced dribble moves or because he was this, this knockdown shooter. He was just the most physical presence and was the guy that was going to crash the boards harder than everybody else at the, the forward spot. Like that is a pretty clear role for a Thero where he's going to have the physical advantage to do things like what Chris Livingston did. So I, I, I go back to when everybody was talking about Arthur Kaluma, Kentucky adding him when they were talking about uh, Keisha Johnson, very similar style of play. And, you know, maybe the Chris Livingston replacement the whole time is a do theory because of the way he's growing into his body. And, and that's going to be the, you know, as, as long as, you know, a do made open shots. And if he can continue to be that type of guy while adding to, uh, you know, what he did as a ball handler, he was playing point guard a little bit this past season. If he could do that while I think Cal said it, the goal, you know, he's probably going to play some three and four. I, I think there's going to be a real spot for him. And we, you know, we talked in the last show about who's going to be our, our, you know, the breakout performer in the, uh, up in Toronto, who we're going to leave talking about. I think Reed Shepard is one of those guys, but I think Adu is going to be the main one that everybody goes, damn, he's going to be a player this year. And it's how I think with his frame, he can impact the game in other areas that maybe some guys on this roster can't. Like he he can kind of – he can get it on the glass. He can can do it defensively. He, he can score some buckets there for you. If, if he knocks down threes consistently, I know we got to see that a, a little bit in a freshman season in the Bahamas and things, but – if he's able to consistently knock down that outside shot, he can play bully ball with you too. And I thought it was interesting that we've been talking about the possibility of seeing him at the four, but Cal actually threw that out today and said three or four. And I thought that that was interesting that he actually envisions that some of the things that you and I and others have been talking about this offseason, which then makes sense that why Kentucky didn't seem like it was in, in desperation mode to, to add bodies at that spot. You get Trey Mitchell. And you've already got to do on your roster. You, you got Justin Edwards, who has the frame, who walked by us today, too, who's a lot longer than, than what I thought. That's the first time I got to see him in person. And, and he has the ability to slide and play multiple spots on the perimeter. And oh, he's playing, playing some at the four as well. That that's And that's the, the versatility that we're talking about. And how about this? Cal today, he brought up it, – it's almost like he listens to sources say, <laughs> or somebody does, because – he said some things that you and I have talked about over the course of the last week. And he mentioned Bradshaw being out gives everyone else opportunities, but it also gives them opportunities as a roster and a coaching staff to look at different lineups. Do they go small? Do they run four guards? Is it Trey at the five and, and, and others? Is it do at the four? Like him saying those things, I hope it's not just coach speak. I hope it's that we actually get to see those. I think it kind of has to be because I think the way that they're limited with bodies on the interior, they're going to have to get creative in Canada. And I think that's going to be uh, something that's going to be intriguing to watch is how creative do they get with these lineups? 
And I think that will lead to if if there are any other additions on this roster in August. And I, I want to talk about that because uh, we got really in depth with Cal about um, the the timeline of things and what he knows right now, what he thinks about the team as of today. Uh, and then kind of how things could shift and what could make them shift. So uh, it, it's kind of exactly like you said, what what we've been talking about on this show, uh, where, yes, Cal is comfortable with his roster right now, his exact quote. Will we do anything else? I don't believe so. There's your answer, part one. He then said, but what if this happens and that happens? Maybe we would. It's a little different environment. And then he goes on a tangent about, uh, how the NCAA has basically just allowed this free for all with grad transfers, uh, where guys could go, to, you know, on these foreign trips. They can go to the Bahamas. They can go to Toronto. They can go to, you know, Italy and the, these other t- teams going overseas to uh, participate in these events. Come home, finish up their graduation uh, stuff. If you remember the uh, graduate graduate graduation timeline or the the summer session for Antonio Reeves. Uh, when he enrolled at Illinois State, was through uh, August 12th. So if you look beyond Antonio Reeves and other guys in that position, there are going to be people that come back from their respective foreign tours, finish up their summer classes, do whatever it takes to hit that to, to uh, graduate, uh, and then hit the portal. And we could see a huge shakeup, and Cal acknowledges that we could see a huge shakeup throughout the whole college basketball world. Uh, and he said he he predicts at least 10 guys that could be, you know, high profile guys hit the portal in August, whether it be for NIL reasons, whether it's, you know, they go to the, these foreign tours and don't get the playing time they were looking for or, uh, you, you know, whatever the case is, you know, promises aren't made and, you know, it, it doesn't look like uh, things are trending in the right direction. They could decide to hit the portal upon return. And Cal said that is when things could change for Kentucky. Now, does that mean adding somebody like fill in the blank of whoever has been rumored to Kentucky or, uh, you know, a brand new name that hasn't surfaced yet or whatever the case is, or what does that mean for Antonio Reeves? Because he clearly went through, you know, I'd heard that it wasn't, that the the timeline is going to be too tight, going to be too much to to get done. But like, I know other schools are hoping that Antonio, like Kentucky still hasn't announced him back. Uh, It was that weird, you know, why does he, why it felt like he was looking for a reason to, to leave you just never know until you know. And I think Cal kind of acknowledged that. You're saying, you know, Antonio looks like a brand new player. Uh, you know, he 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 lost the anxiety. He's not the same. You know, he's just coming in here and hooping, and that's what we wanted him to be. All great things, and it sounded like Cal expects him back. I expect Antonio Reeves to come back. Uh, I don't expect a shakeup, but I know that there are other guys in college, the college basketball world that are still prying and hoping behind the scenes that uh, Antonio gets pissed off about you know, the freshman going crazy in Toronto and uh, Antonio having to take a back seat and then coming back home going, you know what? I, I am going to do whatever it takes. I am going to try to get this summer, summer classes done. Maybe, uh, maybe it's not even possible, but I know that there are other schools out there that are hoping that it's possible. Uh, and it's just something to keep an eye on and monitor that. Yes. I think Cal was talking about other guys who could be added into the roster, but I know for a fact that there are other schools that are hoping that it's, Kentucky's talent that decides to leave. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like it, and that's the thing that Cal kept talking about was just how different it is in college basketball. And I've, I've listened to, to other coaches say something similar over the last couple of weeks. So that it's now you have to recruit just about twelve months a year. 
you got transfer portal window that that eats up the spring and even into the summer and the grad transfer like you the portal's closed but now you have grad transfers that can become available in August and not only leave your program but join your program and and I think that I said that that date was August 28th I mean yeah. that's two full months away from today yeah I mentioned that a sweet 16 team added you know four guys and, and things like it's it's crazy how different the game is in the last few years and, and how it's how all this has shifted. He talked about the, the COVID year and everything and how much older college basketball is. And, uh, but when you're, when you're talking about guys going to the portal and stuff, the one thing that I will say from talking to college coaches, and I know you've had discussions with coaches and assistants and things too, everyone around the game knows the temperature in each program. There's a lot of talk whether guys are in the portal or not, people at Kentucky know what's going on at Arkansas. People at Kentucky know what's going on at Duke. Just because you don't have anything, you know, of substance yet with the portal, there's enough buzz and talk among the coaching world. That's like when we, we sit down and stuff and coaches come up and talk to you and I, they're like, oh, what's what's going on in Lexington? They, they already know. Like, we don't have to tell them what's going on. Like, it, it's just, it's a universal thing around schools that they know what's going on on each campus, whether they've been told directly or not, there's enough talk going on. So maybe that's why Cal was mentioning some numbers. And ten, things. Yeah. yeah ten, it's a specific ten, number. Why? Ten. Yeah. So just something of, of note and interested that stood out to me. Yeah. So I think Cal, I think that's why he worded it so carefully. He said, do I believe that we're going to add anybody else? No. I, I and I, I don't know why he would expect the perfect fit to fall into his lap in the transfer portal or that, you know, anything is going to change. Like, you know, with, with Reeves, it's like, man, he's back. He's back enrolled in summer classes here. He's moved back in, back into his dorm. Like it would take a dramatic shift for him to get pissed off and feel that he needs to leave. And, and even, you know, even if, the, the very slight chance it's possible. And I'm, I still am not convinced. I've never, never been convinced that it was possible, but even in the slight chance it is possible, like it would take a huge changing of winds for that to happen and, and things to really go South in, in, um, in Toronto for that to unfold. So I feel like Cal is confident for a reason that this roster, this 11 man roster that he has right now is going to remain intact. What happens with Santo Cyril? I'm still, very iffy on that. Like he says, like every, I, I mean, Kentucky says he's, he's staying at 24. OTE says he's staying at 24. Uh, his own people are saying he's staying at 2024. But why announce his commitment right now when all of the talk the entire summer was about him enrolling early and, and doing whatever it takes to get the, the coursework done so he can enroll in, in August? Why commit right now instead of Oct October or November or December or whatever the case is? It feels very similar to the Ugo situation last summer where, oh, Ugo's definitely not reclassing. Stop putting out that he's reclassing. It's not going to happen. Oh, and then he's going to then, – then he ultimately reclasses. So I, I feel like Cal just put a very strong placeholder there saying, I think everything's going to maintain the way it is right now. But until the – I like the shot at the NCAA. Until the NCAA does its job, because right now that deadline is August 28th, which is unacceptable. Like – you you can't be scrambling in September trying to to figure out what your roster is going to look like. That's that this this needed to be done 
at the beginning of June at the latest. Like if you want to give them a little bit of extra time, grad transfers, whatever, you know, give them a little bit of extra time. But for for this to last all the way through August 28th is, is insane. And I appreciate Cal going out of his way to be like, the NCAA needs to do something about this. Uh, it may work in Kentucky's favor to add a high profile guy at the end of the day, but I don't think Cal even wants to be put in that position. He'd rather have things stuck the way they are so he can focus on the, the future, not what the, the roster looks like right now. Yeah. And, and another, another note that I, I thought Cal really hit on and he kind of led with it too early was that they're not, and it, it goes back to, you know, the Lil Wayne lyrics and stuff, but they're, they're not kind of showing what they're doing when it comes to NIL because it's a competitive advantage. It's a competitive field, right? Like it's the same thing as, as having game film and, and scout and game prep. Like you're not going to tip your hand and, and stuff to to what opponents and to your opponents before you play a game. So when coaches call and say, "Hey, what are you doing at Kentucky?" What are like it, it would actually when you think about it, Jack, it would be pretty foolish to tell what you're doing and, and how you're doing it because then you're giving the blueprint to another team in college basketball that you go up head to head against in recruiting to do something and say, "Well, that this is my pitch." or this is my thing. So like hearing from Cal today, actually it answered some questions for me and it, it explained some stuff to me too, that, that all this is just ever changing. Like this environment in college basketball, there's think about the changes. So I've been on the show with you since the COVID season. Think about the changes in college basketball since you and I started working together. It's, it's unreal. Like it's, if you just could go back three years the things that we're talking about right now, if me and you had even mentioned them to one another, we'd probably be like, that's insane. Like a transfer portal and COVID years and, and everything else and, and what's going on. Like it's an ever-changing climate in college basketball that I think that it's it's kind of it's challenging all these coaches to have to think outside the box. That's why I think it's very important about who you have around you. And he got into that too. Talking about John Welch today and, and his impact and how long he's known John since the he started implementing the dribble drive years ago and then 25 years and, and throwing out all these years of how long he's known people. It's very important that you as a head coach know what you're doing, but I think it's even more important that the people around you are experts in certain areas that, and it doesn't need to be universal. It needs to be like, this guy's really good at this and this guy's really good at that. And then you combine it and you, you kind of cover all bases. And I think that's where Kentucky's trying to go as a staff right now. What did you think of the, um, I don't know if it, if we call it a shot, but a, the, the direct nod to Rich Paul, uh, basically when talking about the draft and I appreciate the question. Um, I, I can't remember who asked it at the press conference who said, Beyond beyond case and how do you think the draft went? Kind of hoping for a you know yeah we'll get some positive comments about Oscar. He's gonna you know he's gonna do great. He's gonna do fine and uh, with with the Pacers in the summer league and he's you know really really excited there. Jacob Toppin um, broke the news that he you know he's hurt and probably will not play in the in the summer league, which sucks for the for the Knicks for you know for Jacob because he's trying to find a roster spot. Uh, but then when he got to Chris, said you know I. I reached out to Rich and I told him that was a great move on his part. And I'm really appreciative that he got him in that, that, that perfect situation with the Milwaukee Bucks that he's going to be with a contender and, you know, like almost like a good job, buddy. So proud of you. You really did your good, good, good work with, as your, as the, the go-to Mr. Power agent, you, you are the best, bud. 
I, I appreciated that it, it almost felt like a, a tap on the head to uh, Rich Paul, which I don't know if you've been seeing on, on Twitter. There's there's a lot of speculation that uh, Clutch is going south. They've already lost two of their biggest clients in the NBA, uh, that, that things are not uh, looking great w- at the NBA level. And, he, you know, players are kind of frustrated that Rich is distracted and uh, looking at, into buying an NBA team with LeBron instead of focusing on their well-being and a, a power agent just left. Uh, clutch there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on right now and i said on a, a recent show that i think everything that's going on right now with clutch is going to help with aaron bradshaw and getting him on the floor because i again i think aaron's intentions have always been pure i think cal believes aaron is going to play uh, and I, I i liked the clarity from cal you you talked about kind of just presenting the information to us to start the press conference saying the surgery happened he did it based on his own opinion of the circumstance saying, I know I have to get surgery if I'm going to play for this team. I want to play for Kentucky. Let's make this happen so I can so I can play games. So that he believed that uh, based on what the doctors are saying, that he will not miss any time of, of actual live game action. Uh, and I appreciate that clarity, but I also appreciate that we kind of got a little, you know, tap on the head uh, pity party thrown at, uh, thrown clutches way. I, it, I need it. It made me very happy. Cal Cal is elite in the press conference aspect of, of coaching because and, and it's frustrating to us, but Cal always has points that he wants to make and he's going to make them. But today I felt like those points had more weight to them and they actually were things that we probably would have already asked him on our own. So I, I that's why somebody asked me what I thought of the press conference. And I said, I, I think it's one of his best that he's had in, in, in recent months or however long it's been. And, especially when it comes to an off season, but I thought what he said about rich and where he placed it, it wasn't the bulletin board material that you pull from it because you didn't, he didn't necessarily want it to be. Mm-hmm. He got what he wanted to be the headlines. If you, so, if you were to write that in a quote, it wouldn't come across as, no. a, as a shot, but if you know the story and you know the last few months and where things have been and where things are headed, then you know that that wasn't as really a kind of, it wasn't a kind one. It was more of a, yeah, look, you did it. You really, you helped him, didn't you? You actually hurt him more than you helped him. And, but played it off like, yeah, good job calling around and, and getting and play, getting where you want to go and all that stuff and playing for a contender and, and everything. Like how important is it for a, a draft pick to go play for a contender? I, I don't think it's, it's more important about finding a spot in the league and sticking and then getting to that second contract that we've got to hear John Calipari talk about recently that and uh, the sit down conversation and recruitment of Emmanuel quickly that, that resurfaced the last couple of days. Then I thought that that was a really cool thing that came out that maybe opens a lot of people's eyes to what an in-home visit is like with John Calipari. And uh, I, I thought it was, I gave him an A minus today for the press conference. Like the, the one thing that I kind of was about was, he was calm and and kind of and he admitted that Trey Mitchell was fate and and everything that that he wasn't leaving West Virginia, but I, I felt like that there was kind of a yeah we, we knew we'd be okay but we never really had any questions about whether or not we were going to be okay but like we know two weeks ago like Reeves wasn't on this roster Mitchell wasn't on this roster and we were kind of sitting there thinking what in the world is going to happen, but then talking about how much older the game is and how it's like a a safety 
thing when it comes to his, his young guys against older players. When these guys that go and be one and dones are playing against 30-year-old men in the NBA, I think it was more so him just talking about the five years to play four. And he kind of got lost within it and just kept saying things. And I was like, okay, now this doesn't make sense. Let's go back to the five and four. And let's kill all the other stuff. I love, I love the – there are 29-year-olds with <laughs> on their second marriage uh, with, with two kids in a house that are still playing college basketball, which, I mean, DeAndre Williams at, Me- at Memphis is 27 years old, about to be eligible this upcoming season. Like, he ain't wrong. Like, th- those numbers, they sound – hyper like it sounds like it's hyperbole as he's saying it but he's not far off like that is that is the landscape because they they're finding injury waivers here and extra covid years here and because the vernal equinox was what it was at that specific time like that's going to be an extra uh, year for like no all, all of it was bs we don't need 28 year olds playing college basketball anymore go get a job go start a family, do life. Like, bro, you do not need to be playing against 19-year-old kids. And that was the message he was trying to make. Not that it's a bad thing that Trey Mitchell, you know, a 23-year-old is making, you know, using his grad transfer year like a Kellen Grady or a Nate Sistine or whatever. Like, he's those two things are not the same. He he was not saying that Trey Mitchell is the same circumstance as DeAndre Williams. No. And a 23-year-old is entirely different. Like it makes sense for Trey Mitchell to take advantage of this extra year and, and played at Kentucky or not even Kentucky if he'd have played at West Virginia. Like that, that's okay. 22, 23 year old window, yeah. but 27, 26, 28 years old and still playing and playing college basketball. Like there are dudes in the league that have been in there eight, nine years and you're still in collegiate basketball at that age. And I know NIL probably has enticed it for guys to stick around even longer and profiting off NIL and things like that. But like even Cal mentioned, or things like if, if you're and how about the note too? And we've said this on the show that made it difficult to recruit the transfer portal this year is that they have so many guys that are projected projected to be first round picks. Mm-hmm. And if you're a fifth year guy or even a fourth year guy and you're looking at Kentucky and you're seeing these projections, you probably are shying away from coming to Kentucky because you're not you're not staying in that draft for a reason. You're going back to school. That's why Antonio reason. Reeves is, was hesitant about coming yeah, back. Like, it's real. It, it's and that's just the that's just the way it is. And Cal's not changing for anyone when it comes to recruiting the best. He made that clear today. They're still going to recruit the best, of the best, and it's going to be young guys. He even he mentioned that the portal will be what I think it was meant to be all along. I think this is how. When, when it first came out, Transfer Portal and stuff, and we talked on this show about what would a UK roster look like three years from now, I think we kind of got caught up in how many pieces they had to add from the portal a few years ago. Because, I mean, they had that roster. Like, it was por- that, that one summer, the first year of the portal, they loaded up. It was portal, portal, portal. They had to. Now they're back to getting those elite guys in a recruiting class. Now, we know that recruiting classes in 21 and 22 and 23 they're not equal in talent like they're they're, they're they fluctuate like one is better than the other uh three years from now a class may be significantly better than the last three classes and what you're recruiting in high school but he's still getting the best of the best but i think the way you look at this roster that's what i think it's going to start to look like more maybe not that many freshmen maybe you'll have a little bit more turnover and stuff coming back but i think just a couple of seniors that maybe you get from the portal might be the way that, that Cal goes with this new approach to to the portal and things like that. Maybe it's grad transfers. I, I don't know. Like the NCAA, I agree. 
there needs to be something done with the availability of when guys can go on the portal, the grad transfer rule, all these things. It's just too much. I was listening to the field of 68 the other day and they had on uh, Wes Miller and then uh, Scott Drew. And they were talking about the, just how tasking it is to be a coach, how it takes away from your family, how it, it almost breaks apart marriages and families because you're having to work every single day now. Like you're having to recruit Jack in, in as soon as the season ends in March or April, you're having to recruit your guys. And then there's names going to the transfer portal left and right that you're having to touch base with. It, it never ends. And now you think you get a break, but you're about to go, you, you got a live period here. You're about to recruit. And then you come back in August and you might lose guys as grad transfers. It never ends now. There has to be something done from the NCAA at some point that at least gives a period where there's a month or two months to where there, there's not all this chaos. And that's not just basketball. That's across the entire collegiate game. And I feel like that's where a lot of my – the takes that I've had about the coaching staff – where that has come from. And we, and we got some clarity on, on the coaching staff uh, as well. When we've been saying like, you got to get guys in place because like Cal doesn't need to be babysitting the, these 18 year old kids. Like he doesn't need to, to, to be in the gym with Justin Edwards getting shots with him at 1130 at night. Like that needs to be John Welch's job. And it, you know, it doesn't need to be John Welch's job to do other things that Cal does. And it's not supposed to be, uh, you know, what Orlando Antigua does best and what Chin Coleman do, do best, like th they all have their own certain role. So it was never a direct shot at any one coach in particular to say, this staff is missing a relationship guy. This staff is missing a, because I think that they're all kind of stretched too thin where Cal is having to make up for some other, uh, you know, when you have those, the, the empty spots on the staff you got other guys doing things out of their comfort zone or, or, you know, getting away from their specialty that is leading to bad decisions, I think, with evaluation. And, you know, when, when you have Orlando Antigua focused on one thing, you know, he should be spending his time doing something else. Like that's where th this this new addition, uh, you know, getting this fifth guy like that's that's been the push there. Like it, it, it's never been a shot of like, oh, the staff sucks or that, you know, they're missing this or this because, this guy's incompetent or what, like, it's never been about that. It was, you have five spots, utilize them. So you don't have to overwork in certain areas. So, so Cal doesn't have to do things that, you know, a coach of his age and experience and somebody, as you said, who has a life and has a, a family and uh, like he has, everybody jokes about little house on the prairie and all that stuff, but the dude deserves to watch what he wants to watch when the time, like he doesn't need to be watching film till 1130 every single night with his wife. Like he deserves to have a life too, but that's where other guys need to step up in other areas and where the managers come in and the grad assistants and the, the like it's, it, it is an all in effort at a place like Kentucky. And I think that's why I, I I'm glad that we're at the point now where Cal acknowledged that in the next 10 to 14 days, we're going to get a staff hire. Uh, the expectation has been that Chuck Martin is going to be that guy. However, he worded it very creatively, I think, uh, where he said, you know, he kind of threw in the Lil Wayne line again, the G's move in silence like lasagna, almost like I know what's being reported. I know Chuck Martin is, you know, the guy who has emerged as the favorite and all that stuff, but maybe I have some other stuff in the works. And I know like, 
what happens, Sean, if Chuck Martin is your guy? You you you're you, you have a loose handshake agreement in place where he's going to be your guy, and then Jalen Rose gets laid off at ESPN, and he becomes available today. You know, like where that was not an option for Kentucky leading up, but Cal had talked about the idea. And, and Jalen Rose, like, I'm not saying that that's going to be your next hire, but I'm saying, like, what if that were the case where Cal has talked about wanting to get creative? There was the talk about Rajon Rondo and him wanting to kind of throw uh, a haymaker with the with the coaching staff changes. Jalen Rose would be a kind of a haymaker that, for me personally. If if you if those conversations start and you reach out to him and he goes hell yeah I want to join Kentucky's coaching staff that's a move I make and if that means something falls through with Chuck Martin or you know you add you send Bruiser Flint to be you know an off court role and be a, a John Robick or something behind the scenes a little bit do that and I think Bruiser is going to be totally fine with that just build an elite staff where Cal doesn't have to do all the work by himself and of, you know, the assistants are having to overlap and do things that uh, they shouldn't be doing right now. Look, we, we get used to things in media as much as you and I get to see and in, in stuff that we, the wow factor is kind of out the door with us, right? Like we see a lot of cool stuff, but like if, if I were to walk in and like Jalen Rose is an assistant coach or someone like that, just, just throwing it out there. Like, that would probably be the moment where I'd be like, okay, this is actually really, really cool, you know, yeah. or, or something like that. Like that, that wow factor w- would be there. But, and, and that goes back to, to what Cal was saying. I, I, th- I thought he worded everything perfectly today. I, I thought he worded the, the August period coming up here where we think we're done. We might not be done. I'm not really sure, but I think so, you know, something like that. And it's the same thing with the staff. You'll, you'll get, he gave us a timeline of when we'll hear something. Should be wrapped up, I would assuming, before they take the floor in Toronto would probably be the, the thing, the, the time frame that we're looking at here. But he's not going to tip his hand on, on what, what he's doing. Like He was very straightforward about how quiet they're moving with, when it comes to things and, and stuff. And, and we know that stuff leaks, and, and we hear things that we don't share, and then we hear things that we do share and, and stuff. But I think not closing the door and saying, yeah, this is my guy or that's my guy and and leaving it open so you can at least assess possibilities, but know that there's a plan in place and that they will be adding someone and it will be someone that they think fits what they've got. And I'm going to make a prediction here. I think, I think John Welch is going to be probably one of the more popular guys on campus with this roster and the players. I think the players are going to love him. Uh, We were standing there today and he walked out with uh, Daniel Orton. Like, Wasn't that awesome? It, it was like, yeah. what the hell are you two doing? Doing? Yeah. It had a have us having a full blown conversation, walking out, and then uh, you, we see Justin Edwards and Reed Shepard and Tyler Ulis walking out together. Like these these guys getting on campus and and getting to to start their life with Kentucky basketball and and stuff, and getting this experience of playing. And Cal mentioned it. This isn't teams that Cal's called to say, come play us, that he can stack up and, and win can, and win by 40 or 50. Like th- These are teams that Baylor went 1-4 and four against, and Cal mentioned possibly going 0-4 oh today. Do I think Kentucky will win a game in Canada? I do. I think they'll find a way to, to get a win. But this is really going to be good for these guys. Mm-hmm. And I think that this tour is probably going to be one of the most beneficial ones that we've seen Kentucky take because of the level of competition that they're playing against. And how about this? Cal mentioned that he usually doesn't coach summer games, but with uh, them winning USA, he thinks he'll probably coach. So I I hope that Cal coaches every single game 
in Canada because as young as this team is, they don't need Orlando's voice. They, they don't need someone else. They need Cal's voice to get used to it. That way, when you get into November and December, you, you've already had four or so dates and got experience of, of him on the sidelines because, look, practice Cal's different than game Cal, 100%. Yeah. Uh, we, we did get a release um... – the U23 men's national team roster for Global Jam from for uh, Canada, uh, a couple of familiar names, Addison Patterson, uh, Enoch Bokier, guys that, uh, you know, former blue chips, blue chip recruits, uh, some other names I'm not quite familiar with. I'll do my deep dive and, uh, you know, get to the bottom of that. We'll do that when the, the full rosters get announced for, for the other countries participating as well. But, you know, it's not a bunch of four-year-old, hungover guys playing craps all night like this is at least a competitive roster that that will present a challenge for Kentucky that I'm definitely looking forward to uh plenty of good stuff now the exact quote from Cal about the uh, uh, timeline for a coaching hire still got other stuff to do with the staff and probably within the next 10 to two weeks 10 days to two weeks we'll lay everything out the way he phrased it Sean didn't indicate that it was a one one move thing. So I, I don't know, like we'll lay everything out. We've got other stuff to do with the staff. Like you'd think if it was just a one thing, you know, one coach edition, you'd say, yeah, I got a guy in mind. Uh, we'll, we'll see what comes together in the next week or so. Uh, you know, I'd like, like to get that in, in place. Uh, it, it, it kind of felt intentional. We've got other stuff to do with the staff. We'll lay everything out in the next 10, 10 days to 14 to, to two weeks. So we'll see. It made me think that we're going to hear from Cal again pretty soon, and when it comes to to maybe wrapping up whatever this the, whatever the move is the staff makes, and I, I don't know if we'll get him in person again, but it, it wouldn't shock me if we get some type of availability leading into Toronto before everybody leaves, because I, I don't think everyone in the local media is is going to be there or going to or going to go. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if we at least get some of the older guys or players available. I, I don't know how they'll do it, but. I'm I'm assuming that something. I mean, we still got what? It's not quite two weeks until everybody's up there. But it wouldn't shock me if sometime late next week before they they load up and go that we get something else, and maybe then we get an opportunity. And we know at some point we'll we'll get to talk to the new additions to the staff and, and things like there there'll be points throughout the summer where we get to talk to these guys. So should be uh, should be a lot to talk about in July. Probably the busiest July we've had on the show coming up here. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you hit the subscribe button, stay locked into us. And uh, I'm having a blast with this three episodes this week. <laughs> and it, it feels good. Like it, it just, you get in a rhythm talking about this and it makes it exciting and, and things. And I, you know, I, I just can't wait to, to watch these guys take the floor and let's see what they can do. Uh, speaking of real G's that move silence, uh, like like lasagna, the Source to Say podcast is also brought to you by Andy Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net. Are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream? Looking for a side hustle while working your current job? Wanting to diversify, build wealth, and or leave a legacy? Andy can help. Andy is a franchise consultant as well as franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free 
to you and he's here to help. If you have any questions about business ownership, you can learn more and contact anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net. Uh, Sean, great show. I uh, appreciate you jumping on here with me. Uh, good stuff. I, I, let, let's keep this rolling. I hope we get more news in the next couple of days and we'll, you know, we'll be at Peach Jam next week. So we got some stuff to talk about down there. Uh, we'll be on KSR again. Make make sure you set your, set your schedules July 6, 10 a.m. to noon. I will be there on uh, 6.30 WLAP. Plenty to talk about on that show as well. Uh, but but uh, we'll be back on this show. We'll, we'll keep these live streams oh, yeah. going and, and make it happen. Yeah, I have a feeling you're going to be hearing from us a lot over the course of the next two to three weeks. And I'm looking forward to it. I enjoy this and uh, the interactions and stuff with our listeners. And the numbers are just unreal on this show. Where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Find me on Twitter as well, at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email, jpilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for the Jam Pack Sources Say podcast. We will see you then. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.